love, that ever-flowing liquid fire of life, ever-expanding and illuminating truth, which is always revealed with wisdom, a spiritual nutrient necessary for vitality that is maintained through selflessness, a filter of ether that aids purity, which is love. Love, a limitless paper lantern floating into infinity on the intentions and actions of initiates of the mysteries. Uh, welcome, everybody. We have Jessica Drew with us today. Jessica, how's it going? It's going fantastic. How's it going with you? Um, it's going. It's been uh, it's been a good day. I've been busy all day, but it's been good. Um, mm -hmm. We've been trying to connect now since like last week, but the universe w was resisting our interaction until <laughs> this until today at this time. So it's good to finally connect. It is definitely. It's it's fantastic to finally allow the universe opened up and cleared a space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when Thank it had us scheduled. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to thank you too for the review that you left me on on uh, iTunes or whatever. I appreciate it. That was very kind of you. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, definitely. I you know I I started listening to the podcast uh, by a few weeks ago, and I really do appreciate you know just the genuine conversations, you know, genuine life stuff, and and just the honest kind of kind of chat that that you have here. So I you know it's a well deserved review. Oh, thank you. I I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I want people's honest opinions because that that that's what helps me. I mean, if I'm doing good things, I want to know. And if there's things I could do better, I'd prefer not to have it in the review. But I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like um because i just want to be real with things um normally when i have somebody on i like to ask them what they're grateful for so what are you grateful for today jessica oh my gosh i am grateful like uh just the, the i mean i'll quote the, the universe you know infinitely but you know no matter what's happened thus far every moment like the universe will provide you know so i'm just grateful that to continue to get those opportunities to um, you know, to get those gifts from, from the universe, you know, like whether it be, you know, relationship or home or, for, you know, whatever it is, food, like it, when you don't have it, it's like somehow it always ends up, you get it. Um, and so that's what I'm like infinitely grateful for. Cause that's just, I've been reminded a lot of those things lately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. It, it is pretty amazing how, um, you kind of always get what you need it's not necessarily what you yeah. want sometimes um yeah there's definitely been times where i've asked for um what i need not what i want mm -hmm. and then i'll get it and i'll get like very upset because <laughs> it's not what i wanted i'm like i don't want to deal with this <laughs> but then like the right. lesson that i get from those situations um ha has been life-changing for me and when mm -hmm. i look back there's so many times where I had exactly what I needed to make it through those situations. And I just wasn't like aware of it then. Like it was just kind of like, exactly. Oh, it's just here for me. And now when I look back, yeah. I'm like, wow, that's pretty peculiar. Like a lot of people don't get those kind of things. Right. And they really just the, don't notice it. 
the more you fight it, I think, you know, I've learned over the years, most recently, you know, if you just trust that the universe is going to make sure that you have what you need and you don't fight it, it's like Alan Watts talks a lot about that. Like you go, the stream doesn't fight the rocks, it just flows, you know, mm -hmm. and the more you just kind of flow with it and just have that trust that, that you will get what you need, uh, the universe does does provide but the more you fight it and combat it you know the the longer that reward and that gift is put off and the longer you struggle wow that's definitely really profound there are so many times i've talked about this on the podcast before where like i've tried to like trust the universe in like a, a stupid way because i didn't understand how it worked like when i moved to key west and i just quit my job and i was drunk and i tried to move down to key west and try to find a job in a house with like $300 and I'm like the universe has me and then I wonder why like I'm sleeping in like a, a hotel with bed bugs and why like I'm hung over every day yep. and all my money on food and it's like because uh, the universe didn't want me to do that like I right, wanted to right. do that and then I put it on the universe to fix my problems and it's like nah bro you got yourself into this figure this one out yourself idiot <laughs> yep yep exactly <laughs> But it's cool. I, I mean, it was a good lesson. Um, mm -hmm. What quotes do you feel most moved by? Like two or three, and can you explain what they mean to you? Sure. Um, so the the two quotes that I thought of that most resonate and always have, they're actually from Charles Bukowski, mm. um, who's one of my all-time favorite writers. Um, and, and the first one is, some people never go crazy in their lives and what horrible lives they must lead. And that, <laughs> that's always resonated with me because I've, feel like just being on the brink of insanity for so many so many times in my life that you know when um you know you talk about like even you know when you used to drink and and drug and like I used to kind of come on and off these you know this brink of of sobriety and not sober and and the the withdrawals and then coming back into life and and you know he talks a lot about like some people have never even had a hangover like how do you how do you know what you're made of when you haven't gone to that brink of emotional physical or spiritual death and then you know and and just about hopped over the ledge and then came right you know you have to milk yourself back and and heal yourself and and so that that um that quote has just always resonated with me because I've you know it builds your, your character, who you are, you know, the fight in you. And, and so that's one of my favorite quotes. Um, and then the, the other Charles Bukowski quote that that's one of my favorites is what matters most is how well you walk through the fire. Um, Cause again, you know, life will throw some, some stuff at you and, uh, and no matter what, you got to either face it, you, you run from it or, you know, but, but however you, however you deal with it, however you deal with life, however you deal with the fire, it's, it's how well you walk through it. Um, and, and think that's been like my life path, you know, it's just dealing with these, these battles and, and, and traumas and, and these real, just regular life situations doing them sober. And it's like how well you can just walk through them and get to the other side. Cause no matter what, we're here to, to face them at some point, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. You're either going to face them or have your back turned to them and they're going to stab you in the back. Like, <laughs> pretty much the only option or you can run from it and eventually you're going to get tired and it'll catch up to you exactly those quotes are awesome um i mean in my personal life there's a hunter s thompson quote that like he was after bukowski if i'm not mistaken but it's kind of similar to the bukowski thing um in, in some ways the mm -hmm. first one that hunter s thompson's like i'm going to paraphrase it um 
the only people that know the edge are the ones that have gone over it pretty yep. much. Yep. And it's yep. like, I, I couldn't understand um, sanity having not been insane, like being psychotic for the better part of a year. And it's like, mm-hmm. I couldn't find my mind until I lost it. Like, cause I didn't know that right. I wouldn't know what it was. And it's like, exactly. You can't understand uh, clarity except from distortion or you can't tell a forest from the trees. Like you have to be on the outsides or the extreme polarities of things to understand it really in my, in my experience and opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, how well you walk through fire. Is that what it is? Or? Uh, well, yeah. What matters most is how well you walk through the fire. No, absolutely. Um, and that's definitely been true as well. It's like stuff's going to happen regardless and how you carry yourself through those situations and, and how you navigate it. That's what's going to determine your whole life. Um, there's people who have been in situations similar to me who have let it destroy them. I mean, even earlier on in my life, the situations I had been through have destroyed me. Um, I'm not who I was then. So, so it's like I, right. I was destroyed. Um, right. But still going on through that is really what makes me who I am today. And it's like I, I still got stuff to go through. Hopefully I can keep going forward with it. Um, Those are both really awesome quotes. So I really like that. I've never read any Bukowski, so I, I really should give him you a like him. point. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen a lot of his quotes like and stuff. Um, seems like he'd really resonate with me. Yeah, he's a dirty old drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have been. So I, probably me too. Me who too. I would have been. I was a dirty young drunk with an old mind. So. <laughs> um, exactly. Could you explain who you are and like what you do? I know a little bit about it, but I'd sure. rather leave it up to you. Still, still trying to figure that one out. Um, so I yeah, know. I am. <laughs> so yeah, I'm. 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 Went to school for social work. Um, I've worked as a social worker for the past um, uh, six six years or so. Um, but I've actually recently, the last year, taken a break from social work, and I've been working on um, some art, uh, therapeutic, artistic. Uh, projects that I've been wanting to do for a long time. So right now, I'm actually a very a first time author illustrator, uh, published my first um, coloring book, hand illustrated, self published um, for adults called The Grumpy Mushroom. It's actually on Amazon right now. So that's exciting. Yeah, um, it is. And I'm about to publish my first children's book. It's a therapeutic children's book. Um, so right now I'm just working on on that big project. I have a Kickstarter right now. Um, so I'm looking for I'll be sure to put a link uh, to, that in the description then for you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a it's a huge project. Um, I, the the first book, Possibilities and Tea, is done, um, and you can get a preview of it on either my Facebook or um, on the Kickstarter. I have I have the whole book laid out, and that's just volume one. There's there's a whole bunch of volumes, um, so it's very exciting. That's awesome. That is, that is very exciting. It's cool. Um to interact with people that are kind of going along that line of like creating the things that they want to do and creating stuff that is going to help people. I like to write too. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to write different things. So it's cool to see people that are are like at the end part of that. I mean, the end of like the the physical writing of it process, I guess is how I would Mm -hmm. say, 
Okay, we're back now after that little bit of uh, <laughs> technological. I'm telling you, the, u- <laughs> the universe, man, it's how well you walk through the fire. We'll see if we can get through this interview. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Next thing you know, I'm literally going to catch on fire or something. Oh my God. <laughs> I, would I would to, feel terrible. I'd have to walk around and like still do the interview while I'm on fire. Oh my God. <laughs> I would um, send you telepathic, telepathic water. <laughs> there you go. Send some telepathic aloe vera too, please. Yeah. I have a lovely aloe plant right actually right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you feel like you were different than others as a child? Oh my goodness, yes. Um, I think I was kind of forced into into that though. So I was born out in Winslow, Arizona, um, and uh, my biological mother, for you know her own reasons, couldn't raise my sister and I. So we actually ended up living the first four years of my life in a van with our paranoid schizophrenic dad. Um, he had uh, paranoid schizophrenia as a child, so he had lived with it his whole life. Um, and so, you know, the first four years kind of missed a couple years of development, you know, just traveling across the country. And um, when I was about four, the the voices in his head, he kind of like kind of succumbed and, and he attempted to murder my sister and I. Um, by driving into oncoming traffic. Uh, and so then we actually ended up in foster care for about a year and ultimately raised by um, the family that had adopted him because he was actually adopted through the Home for Little Wanderers in Boston, Mass. Um, and so the accident happened in Atlanta, Georgia. And a year later, we came up to Cape Cod and were raised by the family that had adopted my dad. So uh, needless to say, I definitely felt very different as a child. Um, I think I had a lot of experiences that you know kind of made me feel very different and apart and and not connected to you know the other kids and and whatnot and um where i had in these kind of survival you know experiences i i lacked in kind of scholastic and and developmental so i struggled in school and and things like that so definitely man i mean childhood was an was an interesting trip and you know i think that i picked this childhood, I think that I needed to go through what I went through in order to be where I am today, but um, definitely felt different as a child. Definitely felt different. Wow, that sounds like a very intense experience um, <laughs> to have that that early on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could really see how that would uh, form a, a lot of um, noticeable differences in the way that you perceive things and how you perceive yourself as, as opposed to other people, because, um, that's not the typical experience for a lot of people. I mean, even a lot of, uh, adults never go through that experience. So. Right. And, and, you know, it also kind of pushed me into a lot of those unhealthy coping skills because where I came into the planet with, you know, I think, you know, just, it, I don't know if you've ever heard that the ADD or ADHD, the tuned into higher, higher frequency or um, the a higher dimension kind of thing. I was, I was functioned at a higher vibration or frequency. I just had a lot of energy and I didn't know what to do with that given my background. So it pushed me into, you know, drinking at an early age and susceptible to an eating disorder and self-harm and all of these things that I kind of, you know, threw me into the, the wrong direction. Um, from that childhood but but again everything happens for a reason so I can kind of relate to like that whole um 
not being able to direct your potential in the appropriate ways. So trying to right. find external ways to uh, minimize it. Cause for me, I was always like a, a big ball of energy and questions and wanting to know, wanting to do, wanting to this, wanting to that. And a lot of times the people around me and I, I don't vilify my parents. They were just doing whatever they were doing, you know? I, um, mm-hmm. But it's like, I didn't get the opportunities that to really grow how I needed to, I feel like. Um, right. So I started to, since I didn't have these healthy coping mechanisms, like you had said, I, I started reaching out for uh, alcohol, drugs, like, and just kind of like poisoning myself to, to try to be normal, <laughs> to try to function on like, right. a, on like a, an average level. Because I can remember exactly. like reading in class and being ahead of everybody and then getting in trouble like I wasn't mm-hmm. paying attention. And I mean, I guess t- right. in a technical sense, I wasn't paying attention. The issue was though I was paying so much attention. I was like two pages ahead of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I get it. Um, and you kind of said like when you first noticed you were different. Did you notice like when you were a kid or did you notice more so like when you were older, um, how much different things were for you? Oh my gosh. When I was a kid, for sure. I had a lot of insecurities, you know, especially just, um, I think just kind of coming from, from where, you know, my early, early childhood and, and jumping into this family, which mind you, you know, they changed my name. My name was, you know, when I was born, it was Jessica Drew, J-E-S-S-Y-C-K-A. And when I was four and I moved up to Cape Cod to live with this very, you know, normal American dream looking kind of a family, very strict, you know, they changed my name to a Jessica, J-E-S-S-I-C-A, Emily, Jessica, Emily, because they wanted me to have a normal name. And, and, you know, I, I had a lot of these structures and standards I had to fit into, but I couldn't, you know, I, you know, I wasn't very focused and couldn't pay attention. My memory was terrible because I was all over the place. Um, and so trying to fit into this kind of cookie cutter, very strict family when I, I was nothing, of that and and on top of it you know I'm a big believer in numerology and and the name that they gave me was no fit whatsoever in the numbers for me um so I mean as a child I tried really hard to to you know put a face on like I was I was fitting in and and accepting this kind of this path but inside I was just in an, I had this horrible inner turmoil you know ever since I can remember this is inner you know this isn't who I am this isn't you know the life I was supposed to live this isn't you know I, I can't fit into these walls and these these this kind of square that they're trying to put me in, you know? No, I, I, I can relate to that too. I mean, having um, substance abuse issues, I think that like a lot of those feelings and thinking it, it um, is relative to like a lot of people, although the stories and experiences are different. I find mm-hmm. it interesting mm-hmm. that how like you point out about the name and how, how you spell your name now is the original spelling of it. If I'm not mistaken. It is. Um, it is. Yep. And I can, like, on, like, a a level that I don't think some people would really think of, like, that had to be very um, confusing and difficult to kind of deal with because they're even saying, like, that your name isn't right and you have to spell this way to be accepted. And that's that's a lot to put (laughs) on somebody, I would think. It is. But, but again, you know, when, when it comes full circle where I am now, you know, I'm taking on my name again and it's a form of empowerment now, you know, going back to the path that I think I was supposed to lead, but I wouldn't have been able to lead it the way that I'm leading it had I not, you know, lived up until this point and, and survived all of, all of, all of that, you know? 
No, I, I get that too. I mean, I left this area to find myself and I found, found myself in this area like 10 years later. <laughs> I laughed yeah. so hard yeah. when, the, when that moment hit me, but it's like I couldn't have found myself had I not left. So no, I get it. Like you have to go through that stuff to, to get back to where you kind of were like, you <laughs> yeah. be able to get there. Had you not went every other way with it, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, what superpowers do you possess or what superpowers would you want? Oh my gosh. So I, um, I would, I would want to be able to fly. Um, so very badly if I could fly I would fly um I I befriended um the crows in practically the entire north shore of Massachusetts if you throw them some peanuts throw them in your face um but I go to the roost a lot and I just see them flying overhead and oh my gosh I have this envy of oh I just wish I could fly um but the the superpower I do have is you know I'm I'm 100% empathic I think that that is my superpower I think that's why I'm a good social worker um, you know, I just, I think empathy and being able to, to work with people and reach people on a level, um, to be able to truly help them, you know, I think that is definitely my superpower. I think that's a good one. I, I think that a lot of people flying. say flying. Yeah. I think a lot of people say flying and <laughs> that would be so awesome to, to be able to do. Yeah. I have a question about the, uh, empathic, um, one because mm -hmm. I'm empathic as well. Um, there's like this modern understanding of it that's popular in, in modern culture. I don't know, relatively popular, I should say, in those circles uh -huh. where it's like, I'm empathic. So these people made me feel this and they're responsible for how I feel. And I can't right, do anything right. about it. And I don't think that you're that way because you wouldn't be very effective as a social worker. Right. Right. It's, it's a, it's definitely a, del a delicate balance, you know, um, you have to learn to be able to not take on other people's pain and energy. Um, and I think I still work on that to this day. You know, you can, you don't help anybody by, by, you know, feeling the same way that they do, you know, by, by feeling the, the hundred thousand stab wounds to the heart or, or whatever it feels like, you know, when somebody else is hurting or in pain or suffering. Um, so it, the empathy works two ways. You know, it's not just taking on people's pain. It's, it's being able to open up that energy channel and give your positive vibration and your energy back. Um, and so empathy, I think we, a lot of times we look at it like it's only one way. Like I feel, you know, I feel I'm taking it in, but it's a channel where it's actually, it opens up two ways. You know, it's, it's like the ultimate healing is being able to open that channel. Instead of taking someone's pain, you send them your enormous empathic, positive energy and vibration. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but it's, a, you work on it daily. You know, I still, I still have to work on that. I can't, I can't do with an animal hurting. I will literally want to die. <laughs> it's too painful. Um, you know, but again, it's, it's practice. And, and so that's why I think empathy is one of the, the biggest superpowers there is it's, it's hard it's hard to manage no it really is and it's one of those things too where it really is a matter of having to refine it um constantly work on it because it can go in balance out of balance and i like how you pointed out it's a matter of um kind of giving your energy away because a lot of people talk about mm -hmm. um energy vampires and not to say that they don't exist because i definitely think there's certain people that just um, wick energy away from people but part right. of the responsibility of being um, an empath I would say in my in my personal opinion and experience is identifying those people um, and 
being able to still give them stuff, but not like feeding into it. I mean, exactly. Even in like, um, uh, psychology things, there's like people that are called like narcissistic supply, I think, or something like that. Kind of people that like feed narcissists or whatever. And right. it's like, part of that is the unwilling participation of it, I feel. And when you are cognizant of it, you kind of are able to, to limit how much you actually put into it. So you're not overexpending right. yourself. And exactly. I know for me, there is like, people that I would um, avoid and in that avoidance, mm-hmm. I actually put myself in a, in a weaker position sometimes mm-hmm. and had I just dealt with them and um, been cordial or there'd be people that I would shut down around with and just stew in their, like their negativity or whatever. And then that, mm-hmm. that messes me up as opposed to just being myself yeah. and kind of like redirecting if, if they're projecting negativity at me, there's nothing I can do about it kind of just redirecting mm-hmm. that and letting them, letting it fall back on them. Cause if there's nothing I can do, I'm not just going to take yeah. on a bunch of crap. Does that make right. sense? Right. Absolutely. I'm actually thinking I'm, I'm referencing actually something I experienced a lot. My last, my last job I had, um, I'd worked for about three years in elder protective services and I investigated reports of elder abuse and neglect and financial exploitation. And, and one of my biggest challenges as an empath was working with the APs who are the, the alleged perpetrators, the ones that, you know, I, I would have to, you know, be very careful about, you know, what to do with my energy and not allowing there either if it's intimidation or, you know, just as kind of paranoia or, or angst, all of these things and, and still have compassion because they're still human beings as well. And, and trying to navigate that, um, you know, cause people, there are people in the world that, that do try to hurt you energetically, even if they don't know that they're doing it. Um, so again, just being able to identify it and open up your channels when, when needed and protect yourself when needed and, and still be compassionate <laughs> towards other human beings despite their circumstances because it's the life path that they chose, you know, mm-hmm. it's a challenge. It's a challenge. No, it really is. I, I can only mm-hmm. imagine how difficult it would be trying to deal with those people in that situation when they're the people that have been alleged of doing this wrong to the elderly. Um, mm-hmm. I take a, uh, I get um, sometimes worked up over people taking advantage over um, vulnerability. Yeah. And I think part of the but reason. You know, is, no, go ahead. Yeah. Go. Oh, 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 no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think part of the reason I get uh, upset about people taking advantage of vulnerable people is just because in my active addiction, I, I really um, kind of took advantage of vulnerable women um, in, in mm-hmm. different capacities and the way that I treated them in, um, so what were you going to say though? No, that's exactly along the lines of what I was going to say. You know, it's hard because we see certain things in ourselves that we, you know, we, we, you know, with, with that, you know, just so exact, exactly what I was going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that goes along with like, you know, just having compassion for the person that you don't agree with what they're doing or what they're doing is harmful and hurtful. You know, because we can see those things in ourselves or, or things that we just don't ever want to be and, and think from a compassionate standpoint as to why are the, they the way they are? Why are they taking advantage of someone that was vulnerable? Were they vulnerable at one point in their life? Is this why they're doing it? Um, doesn't make it okay, but um, I have that general perspective. 
No, definitely. Finding the humanity in those situations is is definitely crucial. Like, I'm fortunate that I'm not religious, and I don't mean to, to minimize people's religious beliefs, but like a lot of people say, those people are demons. They're from hell or this or that. And it makes it very difficult for those people to find the humanity yeah. for those individuals. Exactly. And oftentimes, I think a lot of the people that upset it the most, kind of like you were saying, are people that have um, – traits that we have or actions that we have done and they might it might be an um, extreme example of acting out on those behaviors right but right. M- most behavioral things exist in all people in some expression and if it's not like the opposite of that expression it's a minimized version of it or, or something along those lines in my in my experience and opinion mm-hmm. exactly i agree um what circumstances do you feel shaped your life? <laughs> Every one of them. Um, <laughs> That's true. I, I get it. No, um, there's been a few um, that have really kind of kind of shaped a big big directions and and you know big moves that needed to be made. You know, I had um when I was about 15 to, to my early 20s um I was one a daily drinker I was a drunk you know I, I drank every day since the time I was like uh, 13 um and I was also in a very abusive relationship um and that that relationship culminated in in a, a really awful home invasion uh, in 2008 right after a long boarding accident so um so that that whole experience you know I had a roommate that was involved um that wasn't associated with these people. Um, and so watching him being hurt and kicked and, and punched on the floor, I just remember um, that that really changed the direction in my life. I, I moved up to, to go to college after that um, because I working through the court system to, to get the, the people that had, had broken our home, um, which one of them was a, was a boyfriend of mine. Um, I wanted to do that too. I wanted to help battered women. Um, I wanted to be an advocate, like a, like this advocate that had helped me so much during that time. So that, that really changed my direction in, in wanting to do something with my life. Um, so I moved off the Cape and went to Salem State University, but, um, but I hadn't stopped drinking at that point. You know, I, I still brought myself with me. Um, and so the second big, you know, event was, um, was on 12 2009 when I, I hit my knees in, in the parking lot of Salem State and just said I couldn't do it anymore and, and I ended up going to treatment. Um, and I did a 30 day program down in Florida and, um, and I've been sober ever since, you know, going to meetings in the program and, and whatnot. So, um, and, and again, you know, the most recent event that, that really shaped kind of where I am today, um, you know, despite the fact that my, you know, my biological father had, had his issues and was mentally ill. You know, I never, um, I never thought anything bad of him. I, you know, I, I understood why he did what he did. And he was in a group home um, down in Milledgeville, Georgia. And um, he had gone missing about nine years ago. And his remains were found two years ago in March. And um, that kind of led to, you know, my kind of, I was having a lot of PTSD from that, a lot of PTSD coming up from the abusive relationship and taking the last two years, you know, I had to take a medical leave from work. I had to do a lot of self-care, a lot of kind of finding myself and taking on my birth name and facing a lot of those demons. Um, so his death, his remains being found really kind of triggered the last big movement in my life to where I am today. So that's, those, those are some of the biggies. Well, yeah, you sound like 
quite a warrior to um <laughs> be able to keep going forward with everything and to, to have walked through the fire um and done it with class uh, I'm oh, sure you. Always it's not that. always classy but <laughs> i'm Trust not in me. a fetal position but <laughs> <laughs> no i get it it's not always easy sometimes it's messy <laughs> Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Was there a, a, like a, I understand that it was probably difficult to hear about them finding your father's remains, but there was also probably some like closure and peace in that too, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, it's funny, the, the day I, I, the crows came into my life was when I started to actually search for him. He'd been missing for so long. And I, you know, I say, I found an injured crow in my backyard and, uh, and for some reason I always correlated the crows and, and, my my friendship with just the families all along the north shore because <laughs> i'm you know they, they know me everywhere around here um but they uh they were kind of along my journey when i started to search for them i would look on namus which um the national unidentified missing persons website and i'd look at unidentified remains and bodies that had been found it was morbid but started my healing process there so when he was finally found you know there was definitely a sense of closure I mean there was also a sense of um, just in, intense hurt you know I think empathically here with you know this is a man who came into the world and was given up for adoption so he felt unwanted and this is a man who died in the woods alone and the only thing that was left was a skull and a torso and so you know I have closure that that you know we can we found him and, and we know he's not out there alone wandering and he's not alone in the woods anymore. Um, but now I also have that question and I have to learn to let it go. We'll never know what happened. You know, did he take his own life? Um, did somebody take his life? So closure, yes. And then I'm still working on letting go of, of just the sadness of having a, a soul leave the world like that um, mm -hmm. and, and how it happened. <clears throat> but I'm trying to let it, trying to let it go. I can definitely see how that would um, kind of be bittersweet in some ways, like to have the closure, but then to still have those kind of questions. Um, I get it. I mean, I get it as much as I can without having experience that I should say. Yeah. Um, I still, I hats off to you for, for being able to just talk about that stuff and um, mo moving through it and, recognizing what you need to do to um be in a healthy place with it because a lot of people wouldn't i feel like and i mean some people will just keep picking at it until it you know what i mean and never really let it heal so right well you know it's um it's one thing that that i think is again part of my life path it's it's something that um I don't know, like it, there's some reason why I'm, I'm, I'm working through it right now in, in my life. And, and I, you know, I, I don't know if you believe in like your higher self, but your higher self kind of gives you these messages and, and having to face these things. And, and, and again, it hasn't always been pretty and it's really tested my sobriety. It's tested my sanity, you know, it's tested my ability, my confidence in, in the workforce. Um, but the message that's in my first children's book that kind of came out of me in one night was a message I had to say to myself. And it's, you know, I think we're all in this stage right now, a lot of us are, are facing that inner child and, and how are we going to move forward in our life? And I just, it just, the words came out of me like, dear one, don't you know how spectacular you are? Like every bit of your being, every freckle and scar, your worth in this world outnumbers the stars. You are infinity, dear one, truly you are. And I like just said that to myself and this book came out. 
Um, and so then it all kind of fell into place that all of these, all of the pain, the trials, the tribulation, just daily life stuff, like, you know, if we're here right now, we can creatively translate our pain into the most beautiful healing thing, you know, and that's my purpose. So um, out of all of this pain and, and suffering and, and uh, walking through that fire, something really beautiful can, can emanate and a lot of healing can be done on a, on a bigger scale, like, you know, the world. We're changing the world here, Ross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I mean, di- different experiences, similar thing, though, like having to go into the darkest part of my life um, and – I'm almost like tearing up thinking about it, like find the meaning in that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. That's so profound to be able to do. I forget who said the quote, Joseph Campbell or or somebody like that, but um, I'm going to paraphrase it as well. Basically in, in the depths of your darkness is where the light is. Um, So you have to go into all that stuff to find it. And the, the, the quote that you read from your book, that's beautiful. Um, I, I really, like your words that you you have there um thank you it's this is really a kind of an emotional interview for me in some ways just to like really think of since you've been in like a journey of recovery too and having to go through mm-hmm. kind of all that stuff um it really resonates with me and, and with your father having that kind of mental health stuff and me having um, mm-hmm. psychosis. I mean, it's similar to schizophrenia in some ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. J- just like dealing, like thinking about all those different um, similarities and how things could have been in my circumstances. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just heavy. Um, it's good to be thinking about that stuff. It's not something that, I'm not upset about it, but it, it, it's not upsetting me. It's just very emotional, I guess, is the right. best way to describe it. Um, right. Yeah. No, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was, I was agreeing. Okay. Definitely. Um, what positive lessons did you learn from your negative experiences? gosh, I guess it comes back to learning how to actually walk through the fire, you know, every time I fell on my face, you know, um, when I, it's funny, actually, when I, um, when I had gotten sober, and I came back, I failed out of college, you know, my first year sober, you know, because I didn't know how to live sober and, and doing so every challenge that I've had, you know, falling on my face or having to face this learning, this isn't the way I should do it, you know, it's, it's literally just led me to to learn how to live life and face life and, and, and do it, you know, in a way that I'm making a positive impact on other people. You know, it's, it's so corny, but it's so true here to be compassionate, learn from our mistakes and, and, and not repeat them, you know, or if you do just love yourself and, and, while we're here, you know, while we get through it, while we get through this funny life thing that we've all chosen to do for whatever godforsaken reason that we've chosen these fleshy meat sacks, um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes down to that. <laughs> so it's funny, the closer I get to, to learning about, you know, the, the bigger picture, whatever, you know, like I've had two out-of-body experiences now and, and the, the, the second time I left my body, I really didn't want to come back. Um, 
because it's just like you know how infinitely incredible we are as a as a being and and we're not 100% there yet but we have to go through this life to get there to, we have to go through the challenges and the, and the wonderful things of life too you know in order to get to that higher self again mm. the ultimate reward yeah i definitely think that that's part of our um process back is facing all those challenges and growing from them and incorporating mm-hmm. them into strengths. Um, I, I get it. All right. Um, what songs or bands have lyrics that most resonate with you at this moment? Oh my gosh. Um, at this moment and for always Pink Floyd is my favorite band. Every single one of their songs uh, resonate with me. Um, I don't know why I'm, I was born in the wrong generation. Um, but yeah, um, Pink Floyd, all, all the way. One of my favorite quotes is actually my yearbook. Um, from one of their one of their songs is "All you touch and all you see is all your life will ever be." Um, so that's a good one. That is a good one. One of my favorite yeah. Pink Floyd songs is uh, "Time." Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I like a lot of their stuff. I, I'm most familiar with like uh, the ones that are like popular more so than a lot of like, I don't really know a lot from like Piper's at the Gates of Dawn or whatever other albums there are. Oh my God, their very first album. Yeah. That was when they still had Sid Barrett. Things were a little, things were a little wonky back then. (laughs) I don't know like a lot of that stuff. I remember seeing like a video or like hearing somebody talk about Sid Barrett and it was this thing about him being on acid and running down a mountain. um, Yeah. Like like a Zen lunatic. And I thought that was so awesome. (laughs) <laughs> like he just didn't he, he, he like trusted that he wouldn't <laughs> fall or whatever yeah that was his downfall you know he went he went off the edge and just kind of didn't come back um so i've always resonated with him with sid barrett in that way for sure yeah i think i'm always going to be a little bit cracked i don't think they can completely put humpty dumpty back together again i don't know that i would want to be put all the way back together again exactly <laughs> It's kind of like exactly. what Rumi says, where the uh, the wound is where the light enters. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, what philosophy, um, spirituality, or religions do you find most aligned with your understanding? And please explain them as they apply to you. Oh, gosh. Okay, this is a, this is a big question. But I, I don't have, like, a specific religion that I, I mean, I feel like there's so many um, – out of each, you know, major religion in the world and, and way of belief, they all kind of have these parallels, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I think that they all kind of parallel into this one, and and it's it's that you know, loving compassion for yourself and your fellow human being is is kind of is kind of it, you know, because we are I I believe myself that we are all one and that we are all in this organism planet that functions as one, and once we keep raising the vibration of that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll all start to see it more. And, and, you know, it's like our heartbeat actually resonates with the planet's electromagnetic field. So I don't know if that makes sense. It's not really, I, I mean, I just feel like all, all major religions have these underlying, you know, morals and, and beliefs and, and that it's ultimately to, to love each other and have a, a better, more peaceful world. No, I get it. So yeah. it's kind of like the philosophy of omnism where there's truth in all religions. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I definitely think the all one thing too, but I kind of think for me, it's kind of like 
like if you look at like an organ, like like the heart, for example, there's a bunch of different heart cells that make up the heart mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's like we're individual cells of that. So we yeah. do have individuality, but collectively we are exactly. humanity or whatever. And that's collectively part of this larger organism that is like the earth. And that's a larger, that's a like a part of the collective, you know what I mean? And it fractals on up yep. to who, who knows. Exactly. Exactly. Fractals. Yes, I love fractals. <laughs> fractals are awesome, but they've also quite literally driven me crazy before. <laughs> yeah. And infinity. Those are my favorite. Fractals and infinity. If we learned about that in math class, I would have done a lot better in math. <laughs> <laughs> that was all they had in math class. I could have grasped it. I don't know what the That's hell. all there is, though. That's all it really is in the end. Fractals and infinity. <laughs> It's a good name for like a, a a band or like an album or something. I would totally go see Fractals and Infinity in in concert. I see them. I see them. Yeah, I, that sounds like awesome. Maybe I have to make a song named that or something. Maybe you could re- write a book a book called that too, and like personify well, Fractals and Infinity. Possibilities and T is about infinity, so. Oh, that's halfway there. There you go. I'm I'm interested to see like what fractals and infinity would look like as cartoon characters, though. I'll let you know. I'll draw them up. (laughs) Awesome! I would love to see that. (laughs) I think they'll be forever changing, though. I don't think they'll ever be the same. Like they'll never stay the same. Fractals will keep growing, and infinity will keep expanding. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um. What do you perceive as your life's purpose? Oh gosh, um, surviving, <laughs> surviving it all, um, surviving and and just taking every experience and and having some some positive impact either for myself or or for somebody else. I mean, it's again to 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 get corny and, and simple. It's to help people, you know. I I think I came here for a very specific reason, and and even if that person is myself. You know, because um, it's, I think that's, if we can love ourselves, we can love other people. And, and that's, I think, love is my purpose. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I think that's a good one. I think that a lot of people, like, that's one of the biggest things that was a hang up in my life is I didn't love me. And I would try to love, like, um, different significant others um, or other people. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how to do it appropriately because you can't give what you don't have. So right, right. my concept of love towards romantic partners was always skewed. Um, nothing they ever did was enough or like if they did one thing that like they said something like, oh, you're being a dick. I would like think they hate me. They don't ever want to be with me again. Then I would like become really clingy or like very distant. Like I didn't have I was looking for so much validation in other people that like it put so much pressure on everybody else. And until I really learned to love me for me in like a healthy way, not like an egotistical way, um, then I was able to really kind of be better at understanding other people and respecting other people. And sometimes now I have to learn to love myself by how I treat other people and be like, well, if this, this was a friend, I wouldn't be like, ah, oh, you're a stupid idiot. Like, like sometimes my self-talk can be horrible. Sometimes it's a lot better now than it yeah. was. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. 
I think that love is definitely crucial. I think that that's a good purpose for you. I think that you're very well suited for that purpose as well. Oh, oh thank you, sir. <laughs> you're welcome. I see you use the term sir very liberally. Liberally. <laughs> um, what do you need to do to uh, feel that you were working towards that goal of, of being love? Oh, okay. Um, I realize well, it's kind of a weird question. Now. <laughs> I have to love. Um, I just, you know, continue to to charge on, you know, to to keep facing whatever comes up in in my life with with as much love and respect for myself as as I do for other people, and and that's not easy at all. You know, I think it's a lifelong thing. However, I'm supposed to be however long I'm supposed to be here, um, you know, and and to keep learning. And it's hard. It's you know, it's easy to get to get thrown back and feel like you're making you know, two steps forward and three steps back and to have faith that, that, you know, you're, you're supposed to be here and you are impacting people and, and that, you know, um, you are supposed to stay, I think is, is what I need to keep working on. No, I, I relate that to that. Sense? No, I totally get it. I mean, cause it is, it's always a forward thing and the work is never done, especially in, in something, um, like that my my path is somewhat similar in a sense and like mm-hmm. i relate to feeling like you're moving backwards sometimes or like you're you're not achieving what you're supposed to or you never will it's like within the past couple of weeks with the podcast i'm feeling like oh, i'm not doing enough i'm not reaching enough people i'm not being impactful enough and that's just mm-hmm. me criticizing myself and the thing is like exactly. if i stop doing what i'm doing now I'm never going to achieve that. So even if I only reach a couple more people ever with what I'm doing, which probability wise is pretty low. Um, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it. I enjoy doing what I do too. And that's one of the things that makes this kind of work so uh, beneficial because it's not something you, I mean, I guess you could do it if you didn't enjoy it, but like, like I don't know how long the sustainability of that would be. Well, and, and the funny thing is I always have to keep reminding myself, you know, it's, it's always, it's not always about like, oh my God, am I going to, am I going to reach enough people with my books? Am I, are enough kids going to read this? Are enough my message? But, you know, we, we function at, at like I, I think I mentioned earlier, I think we function at certain vibrations and frequencies. And, and I think a lot of us are here and we, we just vibrate. And if we just are in our, and, and are content with ourselves, people are impacted by just our our vibrational energy. You know, we can lift people and and have you know an understanding. Just a conversation with a stranger on the street can can you know ripple out into infinite you know amazing possibilities for that person or, or for them to reach other people. So just existing in our vibration, I think, is doing our role as well. You know, and I have to remind myself of that too. That that sometimes just to, just being here, we're doing enough. It's hard though. It's hard when the world is moving and you want to get stuff done. It's hard to remind yourself that all you have to do is really exist and, and be happy and good to yourself. And and then that'll resonate with other people. I think that's a really good way to put it. I never really had thought of it that way. Um, but yeah, sometimes the work is just being happy. So I have to do the work that makes, I have to do what makes me happy um, in a mm-hmm. non-selfish way kind of, because that'll still ripple out to people. 
And I agree mm-hmm. with the conversation on the street thing. Like I've talked about it on the podcast uh, a bunch of times about like the three second exchange I had with somebody when I lived in California where it still sticks with me. Like you never really know um, how your kindness interacts with somebody after you've left, especially a stranger. You don't know how long that sticks with them in a positive way when you do something nice for somebody in the midst of right. a shit storm of a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a exactly. very good point. Um, if you had to describe your personal philosophy or condense your life experience into a few words, what would it be? <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Keep okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Keep going. <laughs> I guess that's it. Yeah. Gotta okay. come out with whatever just comes out. That's, I think. I think that's it. <laughs> no, that's what it is. That's what it is. I, I mean, I think that that is true sometimes because that really is what, it, like, you can sit there and look at, like, let's just use the example of the dog crap on the floor um, and be like, oh, no, the dog on the floor. Why did it poop on the floor? How could it poop on the floor? Why didn't it let me find but it doesn't clean up the poop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't get rid right, of the exactly. smell. It doesn't do any. So, oh gosh, just exactly. just keep going and clean up the, the, the dog shit and get it over. <laughs> if I go out there and one of my dogs pooped on the floor, I swear to God. <laughs> it's my fault because I threw it out. In the it's universe. your fault. Who inspires you? Oh my gosh. Um, anybody and everybody that picks themselves up and carries on in this life with whatever they're facing, you know, whether it's just waking up, you know, any, anybody that just, just carries on, you know, that, that faces whatever life is thrown at you, um, that they inspire me, just human beings in general, inspire me just, um, you know, that it's a hard thing that to be a human, I think. Um, and I don't know if a lot of people agree with me, but I think it's kind of a hard thing. So just, just human beings in general that get up and face their day, face their job, face, you know, their families and, and just trying to face themselves. Um, people that do that every day, they inspire me. No, I, I agree with you. Like with, um, it's hard to be a human. I don't think a lot of people realize that because we have all this uh, comfort stuff and the comfort stuff is what makes it hard to be a human because all the extra bullshit that we have to put ourselves through to have this comfort stuff really. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, I wrote a song when I lived in Vegas and one of the lines was an animal can't handle this kind of life. That's why we have so many ways uh, to escape from all the shit we ain't made to take. I really don't think we're we're made to drive cars like stress in a in a, a evolutionary level or like a in like a um, surviving in the wilderness level stress makes sense because you're only prolonged to it briefly. Um, there's there's a predator around. I'd I'd better run. Um, it's very cold. I better build shelter. You, you know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. how stress was, and now in the culture that we've created stress has become such a problem because we have all these artificial forms of stress. Like we're not supposed to be working for this minimum wage or just above minimum wage and pay rent and then have to worry about a mortgage or, or like all this crap, 
Mm-hmm. So it is very mm-hmm. difficult to be human. Like, uh, think about like what what is a what's a cat doing right now? <laughs> like out like an outdoor my, cat. <laughs> your, your, my your cat's cat. sleeping. See, my cat's like, sleeping on my lap right now, just nonchalantly. Like life's good for my cat. <laughs> yeah, they have it pretty easy. And I mean, other yeah. animals would have it easy if people weren't so goddamn complicated. <laughs> like, wouldn't have global yep. warming if people didn't need to have all this consumer crap and all this stuff. So, yeah, it is difficult to be a human, especially one that thinks about <laughs> stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like, a lot of people say how e- much easier it would be if people were smarter. I, like, I think it'd be easier if I was stupider sometimes. Like, I wouldn't know <laughs> that we were difficult. <laughs> like, well, like it. Like they say in AA, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that struck. Somebody told me once to like uh, keep it simple and not think so much about stuff. And I spent like the next two days <laughs> thinking about that. And, like, I'm like, <laughs> that's like the worst thing to tell somebody that overthinks things is like not to overthink things. <laughs> I'm going to think like right. I'm thinking about this the right amount. How much should I think about this? Should I think about it for this long? <laughs> like, it fractals off into infinity until I find, yep. until my brain hurts. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to go play video games. I can't think about this anymore. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, I've asked previous guests to end the show in their own fashion. Um, you don't have to, but you're allowed to have the last word if you want. Oh, I would love the last word. Sure. Um, yeah, if I if I could say anything, you know, it's just um, do something nice for yourself. You know, I, again, just just find a way to 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 do something nice for yourself, because I think that's that's just the, the meaning of it all. You got to love yourself. So if you, if you haven't done it yet today, do something nice for yourself. Don't believe. Don't follow. Do not consume. Do not watch. Largely what I'm talking about here is reclaiming experience. This is what's been taken from us. It's a self-advancing, self-expanding, self-defining process. And it takes no prison. The real world isn't a spiritual world. It isn't a material world. It isn't an empty world. It isn't a solid world. It's simply...